Love Austin 2020. That was, honestly, that was lukewarm. So we're going to try that again. Love Austin 2020. I, uh, I, I want to share a story with you guys that um, some of you may have heard me refer to before, but it illustrates the point, because we're talking about one of the most important things that any of us will ever think about today, and that is the place of friendship in our life, and how critical it is, our friendship with God and our friendship with other people. And the first time I really can remember having to learn that friendship was just more than just kind of being around people you like, but that friendship required choices and commitment took place my 10th grade year of high school. My sophomore year of high school, I was playing basketball on our junior varsity basketball team. And when I say playing, I meant I was a person sitting on the bench, but I got a uniform so that I could watch the game from the best seat in the house. But my best friend on the team was our star player, a guy named Michael Walker. Michael was incredible, and the way that these junior high games, I mean, junior varsity games would work is when we'd have away games, we'd travel on a bus from our school to the opposing school, and we would travel both the boys' junior varsity team and the girls' junior varsity team. The girls' team would play first, and we would sit in the stands and watch, and then we would play the second game, and they would watch, then we'd get back on the bus, and we'd drive back to our campus in order to go home. So this one game, we're there, we're watching the girls' junior varsity game being played, and Mike and I are sitting in the stands together, and there were some, uh, some, some young women from the opposing school that came over to talk to Mike, and I was the person sitting next to Michael. Uh, <laughs> So I was kind of involved, too, uh, by smiling and staying quiet. And they were talking to Michael, and a, a few of them were talking to him. And all of a sudden, some guys from the team that we were playing came in and saw what was happening and came up into the stands. And one of them started talking and yelling because one of the girls that was talking to Michael was apparently dating him. And he starts talking to Michael and yelling at him. He's like, I'm going to see you on the court, and you're going to everything else. And Michael's just like a really calm guy. He's like, all right. All right, whatever. And so we go out to play in the game. And again, by playing in the game, what I mean is Michael played the entire game, and I watched in my warm-ups the entire time. But I was close to the action and could high-five people. when they. That's how I got sweaty in basketball. I would high-five people who were sweating when they came off of the, off of the court. And so this guy is just talking to Michael during the whole game, just talking trash to him. And Michael had one of the best games he ever played against, and he just schooled this guy. But the guy just kept talking and talking. And after we won the game and we're walking off the court to go to the locker rooms because some people had to take a shower after the game. Uh, this guy walks by and he says to Michael, he's like, you're going to see me again. Go in the locker room. Mike's like, whatever, man. Go in. Michael gets showered. I'm sitting with the other people waiting and get just changed back into my regular clothes. And then we go walking out to the parking lot. And Michael and I are walking together and we're talking about the game. And all of a sudden as we're walking at night in the parking lot, we were surrounded by like seven players from the opposing team. And I remember just sitting there going, one, two, three, four, five. And you're all so big. You're all so big out here. And this guy says to Michael, he goes, I told you you'd see me again. And he shoves Michael, who comes flying back into me, right? And I'm like, I'm so sorry that he just ran into your, your fists there. Uh, and, and Michael, like, stands up, and I'm wondering what he's going to do. And Michael goes and shoves him back. And this guy goes flying back into some of his friends that were around. Um, and then he says to me, you got my back, Tom. 
And I promise you what I wanted to sit there and say was like, why do you keep talking to me, man? I don't know who you are or why you keep following me around, acting like we're friends or something. But all I said was, yes. Yes, yes. I've got your back. And at that moment, a horn started honking in the parking lot and lights started flashing and everybody turned around and our bus driver had been on our bus seeing what was happening and before any fists could get thrown, he had started honking his horn and flashing the lights and yelling. He was like, you guys get out of here, get out of here. And one of the players, when he starts running away, looked at us and he's like, you're lucky. And I'm like, I know, I know how lucky we are and I am grateful for it every minute. And they went off and Michael and I went and got on the bus. It was the first time that it occurred to me that being a friend required choices that I had to make. It wasn't just about hanging out with people that you're like, but friendship has to be something you work at and it can cost you something. But it's so incredibly important. Because one of the things that we are seeing in our society today is that we are struggling more and more and more to have good friends in our life. Science is teaching us all kinds of different things. We have technology that other people couldn't do. We can go on vacations that previous generations could not have pictured or imagined before. The opportunities in life for us is amazing. And yet we are also regressing in certain things. Key things, fundamental things to human flourishing. And one of them is that we are getting lonelier. We feel more and more alone. And it's weird because we're living in cities. We're more urbanized, meaning we're living in cities more than any point in history. We're seeing more people. Our schools are bigger. Our workplaces are bigger. And yet we are at the same time seeing more people. We're lonelier than ever before. And, and it's costing us. It's costing us in all different kinds of ways. And as people of Christian faith, we need to be aware of how central God says friendship is. We see this in the first words Jesus speaks, I mean, the first words that God really speaks to Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis. He says, it is not good for you to be alone. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're an extrovert or an introvert. You can feel alone even in the midst of a crowd, in the midst of a party. Some of you at Love Austin this weekend have felt alone at certain times, even though you were surrounded by people. You can feel alone and be in a room full of people. And God says that's not good. It's not good for you to be alone. And then in the New Testament, Jesus reinforces that when someone says to him, hey, what's the most important thing for us to know? And Jesus says, the most important thing is to love your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, to be friends with God and to be friends with other people. And Jesus says, if you don't get that, you're missing the whole point of why you're alive. It doesn't matter what your GPA is. It doesn't matter what college you get into. It doesn't matter what college your children get into. It does not matter what your income level is. It does not matter what zip code you're in. If you don't have that, Jesus says, you're missing the point of why you're here. We are designed for connection. We are designed for relationship. And like anything that God says, it's this important for you to have these kinds of friends. It's critical for you to be fully alive. The cool part about our God is that when God says things are really important, he doesn't just teach us a rule, but he gives us an example to follow. He enters into things. And what we say, he incarnates 
things. And he comes into the world, and God starts by saying, you want to learn what a real friend is like. It's not about meeting other kids in school or in work. That The real way you start developing a friendship is that you start with being a friend to God because you understand that God is a friend to you. Now, we might think of God as our king or our ruler or our savior. All of those things are real and true, but I wonder how many of us spend time and energy becoming better friends with God. That's what we're going to talk about today, because if we can become better friends with God and life can come from that faith, then we're also going to start understanding what are good friendships with each other. And guys, there's just nothing more important, no matter what age or stage of life we're at, is to know where those connections are. So the scripture passage we're looking at today, in this seventh week of our rescued teaching series, is from Exodus 33, starting in verse 11. And this is what it says. This is one of the most stunningly beautiful passages of scripture you'll ever read. It says this. It said, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise and stand, each of them at the entrance of their tents, and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise and bow down, all of them, at the entrance of their tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then he would return to the camp, but his young assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the tent. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that no matter who we are, how we walk in here, that we would hear your gospel, your good news today, and it would make us become more fully alive. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen you got to think about the Hebrews and what they had seen, and you wonder what the greatest miracle that they experienced was, right? I mean, they had seen God, when they were enslaved in Egypt, send Moses to them. They had seen Moses go into Pharaoh's court, the most powerful court that basically existed in the world, and with nothing and no strength of his own, Moses performed these miracles because God gave him the power to, until after the 10th one, God freed the Hebrew slaves and, and let them go. And as they walked towards freedom, then the people saw that, that Pharaoh changed his mind and an army was coming to kill them all. And so God saves them by putting this pillar of cloud and fire that we just read about here. God places that between the Egyptian army and the Hebrew army so that the Egyptian army can't get any closer. And then he sends this mighty wind upon the Red Sea and it blows so hard that it parts the water of the ocean. And the, the Hebrew people then walk down through the middle of the ocean to the other side. And when the army of Egypt goes down into it afterwards, God gives them freedom by, by consuming the armies of Egypt. And then after that, if that wasn't enough of a miracle, then they go out into the desert and, and they're dying of thirst or they're worried they're going to die of thirst. And so God brings water from a rock for them to drink. And then they start complaining again and going, well, we still don't have anything to eat, even though we've got water. And God starts providing manna from heaven every morning when they'd wake up bread for them to eat. These miracles that they've seen, but I'm not certain any of that would have been quite as miraculous as the God who can part oceans coming down to talk to Moses face to face like a friend. The God who, as the psalmist says, places the stars in the sky, the all-powerful God looks at you and I and says, I want to be your friend. 
And yet we're becoming lonelier and lonelier and lonelier. We don't feel connected to God and we struggle to feel connected to other people. There's been some research done in this and, and I want to take some time. We're going to bring some, uh, some slides up on the screen because doctors and researchers are studying loneliness more because we're becoming lonelier as people and they're seeing the health effects of this. They're now actually saying that we know things like smoking's bad for you, but doctors are now looking at it going, you know, in our society, loneliness is as dangerous to people's health as smoking is. It's as dangerous to people's health as obesity is. The things we see as dangerous things to our health, loneliness is growing and it's having this detrimental impact to us all. And so the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, one of the preeminent centers for health and wholeness and healing in the world, has just released a big study on friendship and the importance of loneliness, and the importance of engaging loneliness. And what I want you to see in this is that there's this great intersection. Sometimes we think that science and faith are separate and, and contradictory, but that's actually not true. There's lots of times where science and faith absolutely overlap and intersect, and we need to learn and see that. And so what we're gonna do is bring up three different slides of what the Mayo Clinic said all of us need in terms of friendships. They're like, this is what a good friend is. If you wanna know who your good friends are, this is the stuff you need to see. And if you wanna be a good friend, this is what you need to do. And I want you to look at each of them and see that in this passage of scripture, in these four verses, how good of a friend God is to us, okay? The first thing that the Mayo Clinic said is that the most important thing that's necessary in a genuine life-giving friendship is that loyalty needs to be there. There needs to be a sense that when things are bad, the people that are going to stand by our side and not turn their backs on us, we know who they are. When, when, when things are really difficult, we know the people that can be trusted. And what we see in this is that uh, Proverbs 18, God talks about this. He said, some friends play at friendship. I bet a lot of us have that. Those are the kids that are the people we just hang out with, right? But they said, some friends play at friendship, but a true friend sticks closer than your nearest kin. Now, how does that work in the Exodus passage? Well, we see that this is a pillar of cloud that descends. Now, what does that mean, the pillar of cloud that descended to the tent of meeting to talk to Moses? It's not that God travels around on a cloud, right? That's not what's needed. But the cloud of pillar, the pillar of cloud had come to symbolize for the people God's presence to them. God was loyal to them. And here's the really cool part about God's loyalty to you and to me. God is not loyal to us only when we're loyal to God. God is loyal to us all the time. The people had messed up and they kept complaining and they kept getting things wrong. Moses was not perfect and had gotten stuff wrong as well. But the Lord and the pillar of cloud was there every single day guiding the people while they were in the wilderness. And therefore, God's saying, I'm with you always. And I want you first off to know that. What God rescues us from in this series, among many things, but what we're going to talk about today, God rescues us from the sense that we're alone. God says to us, it's not good for you to be alone. And the way that God provides in that first and foremost is God never leaves our side. God is loyal to us. And the Mayo Clinic says, we've got to have that. God is that friend to you. God is loyal. Number two, what else do they show? Because loneliness is increasing and it's increasing among all different kinds of people, ages and stages of life. He said, number two, friendship takes consistency. You can't just kind of be a friend sometimes and not other times. You've got to be someone that pursues other people, that writes other people, that texts other people, that calls other people, that hangs out with other people. We've got to take initiative with each other. They said that the research showed that the, some of the worst kinds of friends are the people that only show up in our lives when they want something from us. 
or when they need something from us. And all of us have people like that who just show up when they want something from us. Unfortunately, that's how a lot of the times we treat God, right? When do I pray? I pray when I need something and I want something. So our, my prayer life becomes a Santa Claus list. I want this and my kids need this and my friends need this and my, and my next door neighbor needs this. And so I'll talk to you again when we have a bigger list of what we need from you. A good friend is consistently reaching out to one another. And I love this part of how Moses sees this in the passage. It says in there, whenever Moses went to the tent of meeting, whenever it was, think about that for a minute. I have people as a pastor who will say to me, you know, I know that this is what's going on in my life, but I know God's got bigger things going in the world, going on in the world. God's got bigger problems than what I've got. No, he doesn't. That's the amazing part about our God, is our God is big enough to place the stars in the sky, and God cares about every single thing happening in your life. Whenever Moses went to the tent of meeting, God didn't ever look at him and go, you know, I'm really double booked right now. Uh, I'm really busy today, so if you could get back to me tomorrow, that'd be good. Whenever Moses went, God's arms were open wide. And whenever it is that we turn to God, God's arms are wide open to you as well. He is consistently there in your life and loyal, and we need these things. And last, the Mayo Clinic said, what we all need in good friendships after consistency is something else. There we go. We listen attentively and share openly. We listen attentively and share openly. So what good friends do, and the Apostle Paul says this in the New Testament, he said, you know what a good friend is? A good friend is somebody who loves you enough to speak the truth into your life. They speak the truth in love. Good friends aren't always the ones who are just like, you're amazing and you're wonderful and everything else. That's nice, but your best friends will tell you the truth. Your best friends are the ones who will build you up when you need to be built up, and your best friends are the ones that when you're not acting right will call you out on it. That's what a real friend does. They love you enough to speak the truth in love. Mayo Clinic says that, well, y'all don't just need people to go to concerts with and hang out with. We need people who will speak honestly to us, but also that we can speak honestly to them, that we become, as friends, we become like co-teachers and co-learners together, and that we're shaped and formed. We're different because of our friendships. It says that in Exodus, that when God was speaking to Moses, that he was speaking as well as listening, that God spoke to Moses as a friend. And in those words, Moses is shaped and formed. So in all the things that science is teaching us that is becoming more rare and rare in the world, us feeling more and more lonely, we're busy and we're living close together and we're tied into technology and we're distracted and we're lonely and we're stressed out. Everything that our medical community is saying, we need this kind of friendship in our life, God's going, here I am. It starts with me. Experience it with me. I can rescue you from the sense that you are alone. So what I want you to think about today is this. How are you doing at being a friend to God? How are you doing in your friendship with God? How is that growing? Now, for some of you, you may be sitting there going, I actually feel really great. Here's how you know that. Is your prayer life more about talking at God or listening from God? A mature prayer life involves more listening than it does speaking at and we're being shaped and formed by God. How are you doing at that kind of friendship where we're speaking the truth in love and God's speaking that to us where we're consistently turning to God? For some people, you might be going, I feel really good. I feel like I'm growing in the Lord. I feel like I'm hearing from the Lord. I feel like he's shaping me. But I think for many of us, we're not certain what that means. 
and that my kind of, and if I just said to you, it's like, so go pray more and go be a friend to God, you're like, okay, I want to, but I don't really know what to do with that, how to be a friend to God. So I want to give you a suggestion, because this is something that can guide me, and it becomes a kind of guardrails for me when I don't feel close to God, and I don't feel very uh, uh, tight in my relationship or my friendship with God, and it comes from a Christian writer named Anne Lamont. And this is what she says that prayer can look like in being a friend to God. She says it kind of comes in three categories. If you want to grow in your friendship with God, she says, reflect on these three words, help, thanks, wow. She said, if you spend time on each of those words and what they mean in your life, you are going to have a deep and wonderful connection with the Lord. First off, what do you need help with? God wants to hear what's on our heart. Lord, I need help with this. What I need help with that. These are the, the things that I'm stressed out about this. I'm worried about that. I need your help. God cares. God is a friend who cares and wants to hear you. And we start there. But most of our prayers stop with help. And then we just say amen because we don't know what else to do. Anne Lamont says that the second thing we do when we're praying is then say, what do we need to say thanks for? All of us here today, no matter what good or bad is happening in our life, has a number of different things that we can say thank you for. Thank you for the people we're sitting next to. Thank you for the friends at school. Thank you for the opportunities to go to school, which many people don't have. Thank you for the opportunities that have led to the work I have because there are very few things that I can control about the trajectory of my life. And the Lord has been so good to us in so many ways. And Anne Lamont says that when you really sit there and know what to say thanks for, it makes the help prayer easier. Because some of what you're going to say thanks for is what you were praying help for last week. So it's like, Lord, I was praying for this, and, and I've still got some things I'm praying for, but you showed up in these different ways. Thank you for that. Thanks is how we listen to God, not just talk at God. Thanks is how we're aware, because we listen to God by seeing what God's doing. So number one, we pray help. Number two, we pray thanks. And the third thing that Anne Lamont says that we should all finish our prayers with is, wow. Like, you are the creator, you are amazing, you are alive, you are doing miracles, you are amazing, and I just need to have some wow at the end of my life to see. And, and that can help us, right? How do we develop a friendship with God? Because when you think it's like Moses and God sat in the tent of meeting and there was a pillar of cloud and they spoke face to face, you might be going, I don't know what that means. But imagine if help thinks wow was part of the conversation. Imagine, it starts, it, it, Anne Lamont's like, that's how you talk to a friend, right? You talk to a friend by going like, what do you need, what's going on in your life? Well, Moses might have gone, the people are complaining all the time, and I don't know if I'm the right leader, and they keep making gold statues out of jewelry, and my, you know, we're tired of losing our jewelry, and on top of that, all the, these false gods, and the people, I, and if I was a better leader, maybe it would be different, but I'm ineffective, and I need your help, and everything else, but hey, thanks, because I prayed this last week, and, and there's been some really cool things that have happened, and I'm grateful for the people I'm walking with. I'm grateful for my family. Even though they drive me crazy at times, I'm really grateful for them. Thank you for all of these gifts in my life. And wow, before I leave the tenant meeting, the Red Sea thing was really cool. Like walking on dry land with the ocean on either side, and like before we even get to the freedom part from slavery, the fish and the whales that we saw while we were walking through on dry, that was just wicked cool. And so thank you so much, and thank you for the things you've helped me with. And by the way, wow, and I'm going back to my eat lunch. <laughs> and Lamont says that that's more what friends talk like. And it's amazing for all of us to sit here today and think that one of the most 
important things that God designed you for was connection, is relationship. God's saying to all of us today, it is not right for you to be alone. And yet as a society, we are getting lonelier and lonelier and lonelier. And God's saying it's not good. And we don't need the CDC to do billions of dollars on research of what to do with it. We just need to be focused on the main things of living in these ways. And when we do that, when we take the time to develop and lean towards our friendship, our relationship with God, it will remind us of so many wondrous things in our life, of why we're alive, of why we're created, of joy and of purpose. But it will also remind every single one of us that when the God of the universe calls you a friend, it means that you are somebody, that you are not alone. Every person in this room, the most important thing you will ever hear is this. You are more loved, more valued, more important than you can possibly imagine. And that is good news that is declared by our friend, the God who set it all in motion. Hallelujah and amen. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray, not just to a king and a ruler on high, we pray to our friend who loves us, who pursues us, who is loyal to us, who listens to us, who invites us to listen to him. May we have flourishing friendships with others, but most starting with you. May you fill us to overflowing with your love. Help us to speak to you like a friend. Help us to speak what we need to say. Help us in the things that, that, that we're asking for. But may we give thanks for you and thanks to you for the things that you've done in our life. And may we be overwhelmed by miracles every day for which we just say, wow. Remind us this day and in this week as we practice these prayers of just how loved we are. May your love fill us to overflowing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.